0: Now, we're going to read together the Word of God, reading this morning in Psalm 76, and you will see from the title that it is a Psalm of Asaph. Psalm 76, and we will read at verse 1. Psalm 76 and verse 1. In Judah is God known, his name is great in Israel, in Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. There break he the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword, and the battle Selah. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled, they have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art to be feared, and who may stand in thy sight? When once thou art angry. Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment. To save all the meek of the earth. Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath. Shalt thou restrain. Thou. And pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Amen. And may the Lord be pleased to follow with his own blessing the public reading of His precious Word. Psalm 76, it celebrates the routing, the defeat of the Assyrian army. That that invading force, it set itself against Sennacherib and Jerusalem. It was a numerous and powerful force The Assyrians were skilled and experienced men of war. They had a string of notable victories to their credit. Kingdoms and nations, when confronted with their military might and expertise, they crumbled. The gods of other nations proved powerless to deliver their followers from Sennacherib's clutches. Rabshakeh, the Assyrian captain, that bold blasphemer, he threw down this challenge to Hezekiah and the people in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 33 to 5. He said, "'Hath any of the gods of the nations Delivered at all his, ha- his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Zephyrveim, Hina and Iva? Have they, gathered Samer- have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries?' that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand. All the Assyrians were proud of their achievements among other nations, but they failed to take cognizance of the fact that when they set themselves against Hezekiah and his people, They were setting themselves against the living and the true God. The good fight of faith is to be fought in every age. We must engage against the world, the flesh, and the devil today. Ours is a crooked and perverse generation. Truth has fallen in the street. Men call good evil and evil good. But this psalm, it highlights the happiness of the people of God in having the Lord of hosts as their captain, as if he ascribes to the Lord glory and strength, the glory that is due to his name. Such is the dullness of our minds, that we are liable to lose sight of the Lord. David recognized that tendency when in Psalm 103 and verse 2, he reasoned with himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He knew the tendency to forget the Lord and all of His blessings, there is no God like our God, none like Him in all of the earth. There is much to encourage and to challenge us here in this particular Psalm. Notice first of all with me the revelation that the Lord gives of Himself in verses 1 and 2. In in Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is His tabernacle and His dwelling place in Zion. In the land of Judah and Israel, God was known. His name was great. That was especially so in Salem, another name for Jerusalem and Zion. Zion was the place where David brought the ark. It was the place where the temple was built by Solomon. It was the place where the tribes went up to give thanks unto the Lord's name. God said of Zion, "'This is my rest forever.'" Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. God was known among his ancient people as he was not known among other nations. We discover this in Psalm 147, verses 19 and 20. Psalm 147. And verse 19, he showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt with, so with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. The Lord did not deal so with any nation as he dealt with. With his own Israel. By the word known here in Psalm 76 and verse 1 is meant freshly made known. Made known by the recent deliverance. The Lord's name has been greatly honored on account of the enemy. Sennacherib and company, being confounded. The gods that multitudes worship today are idols. They have no existence outside the imagination of their creators. Every Christian has a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. His greatness is unsearchable, but we can say that He is great in His existence. The Lord is without beginning of days or end of life. He is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting, with whom a thousand years are but as one day. He is the Alpha and the Omega, great in His existence, great in His wisdom. Job affirms in chapter 9 and verse 4, speaking of the Lord, He is wise in heart. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him. The Lord is most wise. There is no flaw no defect, no shortcoming in His wisdom. We, You and I may be wise in some aspects of our daily living and complete fools in other aspects, but God is wise in heart. And that caused the psalmist to draw great comfort from this fact in Psalm 31 and verse 15, he said, My times are in thy hands. In thy hands, Lord, thou art the all-wise God. And in the perplexities and trials of our lives here in this world, how important it is to keep that truth My times are in thy hands, to keep it ever in mind. David's times were by no means easy, but his times were not in his own hands, for the way of man is not in himself. They were not in his friend's hands, nor in his enemy's hands, but in the all-powerful, all-wise hands of the Lord. And David concluded that his times could not be in better hands. I know not what may soon betide, but the Lord knows and he'll provide. My life is by his counsel planned, all my times are in his hand. I therefore trust and never fear, but cast on him. All my care. Great in His existence. Great in His wisdom. The Lord is great in His strength. While some are mighty, the Lord is almighty. In Job 9 and verse 19, He says, If I speak of strength, lo, He is strong. And the Hebrew word for strength that is used indicates a conquering, an all prevailing strength. The Lord commands us, in the words of Isaiah 33 and the verse 13, to acknowledge his power. Hear, ye that are far off, what I have done, and ye that are near. Acknowledge my might. The Lord is the creator of all things, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. And he is great also in his resources. The silver and the gold are his, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. The world is his, and the fullness thereof. As a priest, the Lord was greater than the temple. As a prophet, greater than Jonah. As a king, greater than Solomon. No wonder Asaph, this writer, in Psalm 73, and verse 25, he asked, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And he said, There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. O, oh, every day of our lives, may the Lord who has spoken of here, His name is great among His people. May He be more than all besides to us. May he be all that we desire. The revelation of himself. But we notice secondly, the visitation that we see expressed in the words of verse 3 of Psalm 76. There break he the arrows of the bow the shield and the sword, and the battle. The Assyrian army, vast and flushed with so many victories, they marshaled their forces against the Israel of God, confident, absolutely confident of victory and success. They were fit and ready for the fray. Equipped with chariots and horses, success seemed to them certain. And under threat from this formidable force, Hezekiah, the godly king, he prayed. In Second Kings chapter 19, and put a marker in here because we'll come back to this passage. Second King 19 and verse 19. Now, therefore, he prays, O Lord our God. I beseech Thee, save thou us out of His hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. What a prayer, With what confidence? He prays, and in answer, swift judgment passed on Assyria. Turn to verse thirty-five of second kings nineteen. It came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. What are we seeing here? By one angel in one night, 185,000 of the Assyrians were smitten to death. As for Sennacherib, he met with a speedy and ignominious death in the house of his God, slain with the sword at the hand of his own sons. Ah, the Assyrians had all the weaponry of war. They had bow and arrows. They had shield and sword. Their tents were full, full of soldiers. But now they're full of the silent corpses of those who yesterday were full of vigor. Here in Psalm 76 and verse 6, we're told that thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. They are in the sleep of death just a single stroke by the angel of the Lord brought this enemy to naught. As the poet says, like the leaves of the forest when summer is green, that host with their banners at sunset were seen. Like the leaves of the forest when autumn hath blown, that host on the morrow lay withered and strown. The Lord is a man of war. He is able to confound all his and our enemies. What a visitation. But we come thirdly to the implications of all of this there are implications for governments today. The spirit of the Assyrians is abroad among the nations of this earth. Though a worldwide pestilence has made its presence felt, though there is roaring, rising inflation and crushing Asteria. Though all of that is among the nations, what do we see? No acknowledgement of God. No contrition. No humbling of heart. No seeking of God's mercy. The Lord has this to say plainly in Proverbs 8, verses 15 and 16. By me, kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. But in the high circles of nations... There's no acknowledgement of those truths here in Psalm seventy-six and verse twelve. It says of the Lord Asaph says, He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Matthew Henry commenting on this verse. He says, the Lord shall slip off the power of princes as easily as we slip off a flower from the stalk or a bunch of grapes from the vine. We remember Psalm 2, and the kings of the earth are before us in this Psalm, the second Psalm, The verse 2 says the kings of the earth set themselves against, and the rulers take counsel together. They come together, otherwise they, they would be estranged, but they find common cause. And what is that common cause? They take counsel together against the Lord, against His anointed. We see that they are against the Christ of God. These earthly rulers are shaking their fists in defiance of the Lord's throne and His authority. But they're not only against the Christ of God, they're against the commands of God. For they say in verse 3, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us, they are vehemently set on breaking the restraints of God's commandments and precepts in their quest to do what is right in their own eyes. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in verse 4 We are told, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. The Lord's derision, contempt for his enemies, is reinforced by the visitation of his wrath and displeasure. The Lord will reign until his enemies become his footstool. And we need to pray for those that are in authority, that they would be brought to acknowledge the highest authority, even as Nebuchadnezzar did there in Daniel chapter 5. We read, first of all, of his pride, the pride of his heart, Daniel 5 and Daniel 4, rather, and Verse 30, the king spake, Nebuchadnezzar, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom, by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and he is cast out among the beasts of the field to eat grass along with them. But in verses 34 and 5, we see a wonderful turnaround, a transformation. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reported as nothing, and he doeth according to his will, in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Oh, that the powers that be in our nation would be made to do an about turn, as Nebuchadnezzar did, and acknowledge the Lord. He is the God. There are implications here for governments. There are implications for the godless. In Athens, Paul found an altar to the unknown God. The people lived in ignorance of the true God. God has made himself known in Christ. The Lord is the brightness of the Father's glory And the express image of His person. Oh, is it true that you attend the meetings here and still you do not know the Lord? God has revealed Himself, His wisdom, His love, His grace, His mercy, in the gospel of His dear Son. Oh, that you would be altogether persuaded, to be a Christian today. Our minds are focused in the words of First Thessalonians chapter one and verses seven and eight, focused on the day of days when our Lord will come with great power and glory. First Thessalonians, or rather, Second Thessalonians chapter one. And verse 7: The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it true of someone listening in or present here in this building? That you do not know God through the Son. You have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I trust that you will not be like those who say in the words of Job 21 and verse 14, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Do not rest until you can affirm The Savior is mine, and I am His. There are implications for governments, for the godless. Implications, too, for the godly. Look at verse 7 in Psalm 76. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And again, it's repeated in verse 11 that the Lord ought to be feared. This is the whole duty of man, to fear God and to keep His commandments. We're not to fear man. That kind of fear brings a snare as when Peter denied the Lord. Why is it that so few fear the Lord this day? They know nothing of His greatness, of His glory. When the divine glory began to shine around Moses there on Mount Sinai, how did he respond? He said, I exceedingly fear and quake. What we're seeing here in Psalm 76 and on Mount Sinai is a filial fear. The fear that the Son has of displeasing His parents, of dishonoring them. And the fear of God reigning in our hearts will cause fulsome praise to flow from our lips. We see this in Psalm 76 verse 4. He, Psalmist Asaph hits a high note Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. He sounds the high note of praise. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. O worship the King, all glorious above. O gratefully sing His power and His love our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. The fear of God will prompt fullness of praise. It will prompt the fulfilling of our promises, our vows. See this in verse 11 of Psalm 76. Vow and pay unto the Lord Your God. No doubt these people in Hezekiah's day, menaced by the enemy, they made solemn vows before deliverance came. And now, post deliverance, those vows are to be honored, they are to be fulfilled, they're to be kept. And so, may you and I say with Chepsa in Judges 11 and verse 35, I have opened my mouth unto the Lord. I cannot go back. May we be true to our vows. And the fear of the Lord in our hearts will prompt faithful giving. We also see this in verse 11, let all that be round about him bring presents unto him. And that's exactly what, what happened. Back in Second Chronicles, chapter 32 and verse 23, we discover that many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem, and presents to Hezekiah king of Judah oh may we give to the Lord as he has prospered us may we be those joyful cheerful givers we have Abraham's example there in Genesis 14 and verse 20 he gave Melchizedek tithes of all It's an acknowledgement by Abraham that all he has belongs to the Lord. And you and I have nothing but what we have received from the Lord's bountiful hand. The fear of the Lord, it'll prompt faithful giving and it will prompt fervent prayer. Abba, Father, will be on our lips. We have already thought about Hezekiah's prayer there in 2 Kings 19 and 19. But in verse 20, Isaiah, he has this to say, he is this message from the Lord for Hezekiah. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Hezekiah sought the Lord, and he received an abundant answer. Oh, let us just take a moment to think of the fervency of his prayer here in chapter 19 of 2 Kings, verse 14. He received the menacing letter from Rabshakeh, and he went into the house of the Lord. He spread it before the Lord, and he said, he prayed in verse 15, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Oh, how the king prayed and sought the Lord with all of his heart, and his prayer was heard. Heard. It was answered. We think of how the Lord revealed himself to Abraham in Genesis 17 and verse 1 as the Almighty God, as El Shaddai, the God who is enough. Jacob. In Genesis 33 and verse 11 refused Esau's present. He said to Esau, "I have enough." The thought is, "I have all things. Having the Lord, the Almighty God, he has all things." Jeremiah was in hard circumstances. He was in the midst of heart-rending lamentations. But he could say, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. What a portion the Lord is to His people. No matter how dark the hour is personally or nationally. We have one in heavens who is enough. And we can cast ourselves, just like Hezekiah here, we can cast ourselves on him. Oh, let us continue in prayer, seeking the Lord fervently, Seeking him till he comes and breaks up our follow ground and rains righteousness upon us. Oh, what encouragement and what challenge there is here in this particular psalm. May the Lord bless his word to all of our hearts for his name's sake.